Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Morgan's Pop Talks, breaking down the biggest headlines in reality TV and pop culture. We have so much to get to today, everything from Love is Blind to Selena Gomez and her documentary uh, to what's going on in Bachelor in Paradise. And of course, uh, Buying Beverly Hills, the new Netflix show that the Umansky family, Kyle Richards' daughters is in. We're going to get to all of it. Um, but I want to start with a few things at the top that I want to discuss, but we just aren't going to be able to dive really deep into. I am so sad over Aaron Carter. I have had just, oh my gosh, just moments of like crying. And if you, if you, I was born in 1993, so Aaron Carter was my Justin Bieber, you know, like Justin or Aaron Carter walked so Justin Bieber could run. And I'm just seeing a lot of stuff online about his passing and, and people saying things like, well, are you surprised? And it's like, I just don't love that that's the initial reaction that we go to when something like this happens with someone like Aaron Carter, who so visibly struggled throughout his entire life. Uh, I mean, we all saw him struggle in real time, but that doesn't mean that we can't be sad that this happened to him. And also, like, I just have been seeing a lot of things online where people are like, a being mean to him on his TikTok page and his comments, like saying just the most awful things. And then also people being like, well, now you guys care. You weren't being this nice to him, you know, when he was here. And it's like, okay, I can't speak for everybody, but I am not the type of person that's going to leave hateful comments on people's TikToks on their Instagram. And that's what I try to tell you guys. Even if you're watching something like Bachelor in Paradise or any Bravo show, it's here for your entertainment and you're allowed to not like somebody. You're not allowed to go to their Instagram and wish death upon them. You can say Lisa Renna had a pretty bad season this year. You cannot go to Lisa Renna's Instagram page and say, I hope something bad happens to you. Like, do you understand what I'm trying to say? These people are here for entertainment value, not for us to nitpick every little minor detail that they do, even with Bachelor in Paradise, you know, I see people coming at Eliza for having a rough episode, which she did. She had a rough episode. Is she not allowed to be a human and, and feel the human emotion of confusion? 
And I know if you're an MPT listener, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, like lead with love, babes, lead with love. But I just really am sad about it. Honestly, I wish that this wasn't the outcome for him. I wish he could have got the help that he needed. Keep his family and friends in your T's and P's. Next, I have a confession to make. I, you guys, I'm so mad at myself. I am so mad at myself. You know that Bachelor in Paradise promo event that happened in Los Angeles this weekend? I was invited. And I thought the email was spam. You're... This would only happen to me. I get the email. Okay. It's a, it's from ABC. So I'm thinking it's just from like my Hulu or something telling me that my subscription is going up. I don't know. I didn't read it. It was just a poster of like just a poster of the bachelor in paradise graphic. And it was like November 5th, you know, join us, whatever. And I'm like, Oh, they're telling me like when an episode is or something. No, I was, I was invited and I thought it was spam and deleted the email and didn't go. I, I don't know if any reading lessons, I don't know if any comprehension lessons, but how does that happen? Uh, I went back and looked at the email and it was like, you and a guest are invited to come hang out on our press event. Instead. Here I am trying to put a stupid footstool together for my studio for four hours. It took me to put the footstool together on Saturday night when I could have been in Los Angeles sipping margaritas with members of Bachelor in Paradise. So let this be a learning lesson for you all to read your emails, even if they just look like a spam flyer from ABC. Moving on, you know, I'm mad about it, but I'm just putting it out into the universe that I will be invited to more and that I will actually read the email this time. Let's start with the pop three. Selena Gomez has been all over the headlines this week for a couple of different reasons. Uh, she just came out with her new documentary on Apple TV Plus called My Mind and Me, which David and I watched over the weekend when we weren't in LA at a Bachelor in Paradise uh, press party. And I knew what I was going into, right? I knew it was going to not be like the cookie cutter Disney type of follow me on tour and follow, look at my backup dancers. Like I knew it was going to be about uh, her mental health, her lupus, her bipolar disorder. I mean, the stuff with Justin Bieber kind of automatically gets woven in there because it's all a part of her story, but it wasn't like explicitly about um, Justin Bieber. It was a really good documentary. I recommend that you watch it. Uh, but what's getting more attention, which I think is pretty sad, is the stuff that's going on between her and her friend uh, Francia and her friend Raquel. So Selena was doing press and she made this comment that Taylor Swift was her only friend in the industry. If you remember, Francia Razia, I think is how you say her name. Please don't come for me is the one that donated the kidney to Selena. You remember Selena had to go undergo a kidney transplant, you know, pretty much to live. And her friend, Francia, who is also technically in the entertainment industry, she is an actress. So she commented on that post and said, interesting. 
you know, because maybe she's scrolling through. She sees the page six headline. Selena Gomez says Taylor Swift is her only friend in the industry. She's like, I gave her my kidney. So that's interesting. So then, you know, people started doing TikToks about it. Selena commented on one TikTok saying, sorry, I didn't mention every person I know. So people are kind of split on this. Um, I saw one comment that said, I honestly feel like this whole thing was just taken out of proportion and Selena meant the music industry, which Francia isn't a part of. And then others saying Francia saved her life. She should have at least acknowledged her on the documentary. And that was my thought, right? Like besides this weird, maybe misconstrued interview bites for how open um, Selena was in showing her medical issues with lupus, her um, mental issues with being diagnosed as bipolar. I think to not even have a photo of the two of them, you know, there's like, there's that photo that we've all seen of them laying in the hospital together, both of them in hospital beds holding hands. Like Francia wasn't mentioned. It wasn't brought up. There was no photo. And maybe, who knows, maybe they talked beforehand and decided that they weren't going to put it in the documentary for whatever reason. Um, but to viewers, it came across as a little strange. Also, people are dissecting her relationship with her friend Raquel. Um, David and I, while we were watching it, we did have like a moment where we were like, I don't know about Raquel. But I also think that you know, Raquel having been friends with Selena for so long probably feels a com comfortability level to be able to like, I don't want to say check her, but like, it's the only th word that's coming to my head right now. Um, you know, you should have friends in life that, that aren't just yes men, you know? And I think that that's kind of being a little bit misconstrued here, but I think you know, the whole documentary is about how the media like sensationalizes certain things to distract from the important stuff like Selena's philanthropy work, um, you know, what she's trying to get passed through legislation when it comes to mental health. And instead of everybody talking about that, they're talking about her relationship with Raquel. So what can you do? Moving on to headline number two, we have the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills casting rumors. Is Lisa Vanderpump coming back? To Beverly Hills, maybe. So this all came out on Radar Online. I told you, I'm sorry. If it's on my notes sheet, I'm saying it in my Lisa Vanderpump voice from now until I don't podcast anymore. So according to Radar Online, they are not filming right now. They're taking a break until January, which is interesting when you consider that the last season um, had a lot of Christmas episodes in it. So they definitely have pushed back production a little bit. Here's the tea on what is potentially going on. Firings, potentially Crystal, Minkoff, and Diana Jenkins. I think Crystal could be a friend of. I think she is open and vulnerable and honest, and I like that. I think she's trying to, she's starting to find her voice. We saw it a little bit on the reunion. But she just doesn't stand out as like, it's hard to stand out when you're sitting next to Erica Jane and Lisa Renna, you know, like it just is. Um, but Diana, I mean, nobody liked Diana. So I'm not surprised about that. A possible demotion for Dorit Kemsley. I also don't hate this. I'm sorry. And I love Dorit. I love her fashions. I love her family. Her kids are the cutest things ever. Phoenix is the star of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Let's just be honest. I like PK. I think they're really funny, but it's been too many seasons in a row where Dorit is just kind of in the background. She needs to 
give a little something more. And I think this Fox Force 5 pact, whatever you want to call it, is like to all of their demise. If they would just be done with that, and even if they're acting, I don't care at this point. Doree, I want to see you fight with Kyle. They did a little bit on the reunion when Kyle snapped at her, but like, do something. Do something. And then obviously the big one, Kathy Hilton versus Lisa Renick. Kathy Hilton did an interview with TMZ saying that she would not come back if Lisa and Erica came back. But according to production, Lisa Renna is like the antagonist of the show and it is very important. I agree with that. Look, Lisa Renna was not my favorite this past season, but the antagonist is a very important part of the show. Otherwise you have no conflict and it's just boring and stale and dry toast. What I find most interesting about these rumors is who they're potentially going to bring back. And we get this all the time, so who knows if it's real or not, but Lisa Vanderpump and Brandi Glanville, those are the names that have been thrown out through Radar Online about who would potentially come back. I don't like Brandy. I don't want to see her on my TV again. I'm sorry I had enough of her on The Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. I would die for Elisa Vanderpump return. Let me tell you why. The few, the unresolved feud between Kyle Richards and Lisa Vanderpump is exactly what the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills needs. They have not spoken to each other. They had a huge falling out. We can all remember, especially now that Erica and Lisa have been more or less accused of leaking things to the press. Could you imagine? And the whole reason Kyle and Lisa aren't Lisa Vanderpump weren't friends anymore was because of the same reason leaking stories to the press. I don't think it's too far fetched, especially because Garcelle is going to be on the next season of Vanderpump rules. Remember she was spotted filming with Lisa Vanderpump. Some people will say it's because Garcelle's son, Oliver, got a job with Lisa, but I think there's method to the madness. And I, I think at this point in her life, Lisa Vanderpump would come back to the show because she's phasing out of Vanderpump rules. I'm sorry. Lisa Vanderpump is not needed on Vanderpump rules anymore. None of them actually work in the restaurant. I feel like it, it, is weird when the cast goes to Lisa's house to like fill them in on all the drama that's been happening because it no longer happens in Lisa's business. So what business is it of Lisa's? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? They also did this with the Real Housewives of Orange County. Let's look at everybody. They brought back Tamara, Heather Dubrow. I saw pictures of Vicki Gumbelson filming with everyone. Taylor Armstrong is now back, this time on the Real Housewives of OC. So... I would not count it out and I would love it. Um, last in our pop three, we're going to talk about the love is blind finale. I have not watched the reunion yet. So here's what we're going to do. When I tell you that David is obsessed, my fiance is obsessed with love is blind. When he found out that I had to watch the episode today before he got off work to record this for my podcast, he was devastated. He was devastated, but he was like, you have to get the content. I was like, <laughs> I've told you guys, marry the right person. Marry the right person. So what we decided we were going to do, I was going to watch the finale this week. David and I will catch up over the weekend. And then he's going to join me on the pod next week to talk about the finale and the reunion together. Okay. So 
spoilers too. If you haven't watched the finale, now would be the time to skip to the deep dive because we're going to mention it all. We have, we start with two episodes ago. It ends with SK and Raven's wedding. Raven says yes. SK says no. And I was shook to the core. The plot twist of all plot twists was SK saying no to Raven. Somebody sent me this tweet and said, the more Bartise talks, the more I understand why Raven was doing jumping jacks during their conversation. And honestly, I was mad about the jumping jacks at first. I'm not mad about it anymore. Having watched Bartise. Um, speaking of Nancy and Bartise. Oh, but I, my prediction is that SK and Raven are dating currently TBD. Nancy and Bartiz, wow. Was that the wildest thing you've ever seen? That was the wildest thing I've ever seen. Nancy said, I do. Bartiz said, I do not. That's not surprising to me. I thought that that was going to happen. But, like, Bartiz, they they leave the room, and Bartiz is like, no, come here, come here, come here. Like, trying to get to her before anybody else does. Which, at first, I was like, dude, like, relax. You just turned her down at the altar. But then, I also get it, because I think he does need to get in there before anybody else, because we saw the family. Nancy's family is pissed. Nancy's mom is like, this man is not ready for you. And I'm like, preach, Nancy's mother, you baby angel. He needs to hear this. Nancy's brother also looks like he's about to strangle Bartise. I felt like Nancy's brother was about to come through the screen and strangle me. You could see the the hatred in his eyes. Like he was ready to just rip him apart. Nancy's a boss. I think she handled it like a complete and total boss. She's like, my mom's right. You're not ready for me. You could have had everlasting love. You could have had a girl with a, a good head on her shoulders, a heart of gold, financial stability, and you want to run around in these streets for what, Bartiz? Have fun. So there's that. Alexa and Brennan, did we ever have any doubt? So solid the entire time. Out of the whole entire cast, Alexa is my favorite. And after I follow Brennan on Instagram, he also became my favorite. Go read his Instagram captions. That's all I'm going to say. You are going to be very surprised by what you see in a good way. Um, I mean, we just knew the families are cool. It was smooth sailing. She looked so beautiful. Brennan's vows. I was like, oh, my God. <gasps> I will say I, the one reason I'm glad that Love is Blind is ending is because every single time that the TV said Alexa, my Alexa in my living room went off. And I, like, I just don't know if I can handle that. Zenob and Cole, I mean, this was, oh, was this the worst one? I can't figure out if this one was worse than Nancy and Bartise. I think this one was. As I was going through this, I was like looking for, you know, potential clues about how it was go going down. And my first note says, I get nervous vibes from Zenob. And then I also said nervous vibes from Cole, too. I just don't have high hopes. I thought they both would say no. But before Zenev went down the aisle, she was having like a, a full-on panic attack. And that made me think like 
maybe we're going to have a plot twist or something and she's going to say yes. Can I also say I hate the fact that they all have the same like wedding dress or dresses that look exactly the same. Zeneb and Nancy's wedding dress looked exactly the same. Am I the only one that noticed that? Okay. Even when Cole was like walking down the aisle, he looked like he was about to hurl all over the place. Zeneb is sobbing. I thought she was going to be a runaway bride, but then she goes down. She marches down the aisle. She goes in and she lays into Cole. She was like, I have been disrespected, insulted, critiqued. You have shattered my self-confidence. Cole looks like a lost puppy dog. Oh, my gosh. I haven't actually, like, sat with my feelings on how I felt about this. I know that to an extent Cole deserved it. But I did feel bad. It was rough. It was rough. I don't think that he deserved it in front of everybody. I think they could have had a conversation beforehand. Maybe that's an unpopular opinion, but it's almost like she wanted to embarrass him in front of all of his family and friends. And you could say, well, he said that in public places. Not really. It was public because it was on camera. I don't know. I don't. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I would not have the balls to do it. So props to Zenob who had the balls to do it. Then we get to Colleen and Matt. Colleen, the ballet dancer who doesn't like deep relationships, got married to somebody that she knew for two months. I can't. Also, Matt, when he's saying like, I'm going to make the decision. No, I got to do my Matt voice. I'm going to make the decision when someone's walking down the aisle. That should not be your standard marriage procedure. You should not be deciding whether or not you're going to marry this person while they are walking down the aisle to you. That's a red flag. We're waving it. We're waving it. You know why? Because in the moment when you see the girl and she's in the dress and, and she's got the hair and the veil, your emotions will play tricks on you, bro. Like, wow, this is my moment. I have to say yes to her. And then you get to the aisle and the vows and they're like, we have been through so much. We have been through a lot of hard stuff. Y'all have known each other for two months. How much hard stuff can you go in through in two months? I just, I can't, I cannot. If you're Matt's parents, let me ask this question. Are you worried about your son? You know, second marriage. It's on a reality TV show. The first one ended horribly. And I do feel for him for that. I would be like, son, please don't do this to yourself. Especially because the whole season he's like, I've, I haven't even been on more than two dates with somebody. And then you're going to. I just don't like it. Did you notice that after Matt and Colleen got married, when they were celebrating, all of a sudden, Colleen got this country accent all of a sudden. She was like, we're married. This is what my stubby fingers look like. And, and Matt's like, you're my wife. And she's like, you're my husband. Ma'am, where did that come from? The whole thing is just complete and utter chaos. And we live for it. Like I said, next week, we'll have David on. We'll discuss all of it. But now... Today's sponsor is Factor Meals. Finally starting to get warmer. You want to spend your time outside and not in the kitchen. With Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Visit factormeals.com slash poptalks50 and use code poptalks50 
to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. You can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to Factormeals.com slash PopTalks50 and use code PopTalks50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code PopTalks50 at Factormeals.com slash PopTalks50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's time to get into the deep dive. Every single week on my Instagram at Morgan P Talks, I open up the floodgates to you. What do you want to know more about this week? It's Victoria Fuller and Greg Grippo. Our deep dive comes to us from Gabby. Hey, Morgan, this is Gabby from Houston, Texas. Can we get a deep dive on what's going on with Victoria and Greg? We've been seeing some soft launches on the internet. We need more details ASAP. Thank you. Thank you, Gabby. Love you like a sis. You should know. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. This episode of Morgan's Pop Talks is brought to you by spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled about the end of Bachelor in Paradise, now would be the time for you to leave the podcast, although it's already out there. Are you living under a rock? If you're on the internet, you know what's going down with Victoria and Greg Grippo right now, but you don't have to give the disclaimer. And we'll see you back here next time. Now for all my tea-loving girlies, buckle the heck up. This Greg and Victoria Fuller story has been developing. Dun, 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 dun. That's my newscaster music for quite some time. Just love triangle between Johnny, Greg, and Victoria Fuller. Greg was not on the beach. My question is I'm wondering if Victoria Fuller thought that Greg Grippo was going to be on the beach. That is a question that I have in the back of my mind. We'll get back into it in a minute. But, you know, the pictures came out of them in Rome. There's these cheating allegations on behalf of Victoria Fuller. Like people are online claiming that Victoria cheated. Um, Nick Vial, who apparently knows all, says that Victoria Fuller did not cheat. But here's the tea from the reunion that was taped that I was invited to, but didn't go to, um, from Reality Steve's Twitter. You know, we have to read a post. Every podcast, here it is. So this is what Reality Steve said happened at the reunion. Since the Victoria Johnny Greg triangle is what you guys want to hear most about, I'll give that now and the rest later. Greg Grippo was there. Johnny came out first. They then brought Victoria out to join him, and then Victoria and Greg by themselves. As expected, it wasn't pretty. Johnny said he and Victoria were in couples counseling for three weeks after filming. Victoria said Johnny called her a stupid four-letter word that I don't want to say. And she claimed that he told her she didn't cook or clean. So what good was she as a woman? Reality Steve continues. Johnny admitted he said things he shouldn't have and that he regretted, but he never called her that four-letter word that I will not say. Johnny said he didn't want to air dirty laundry, but eventually said Victoria threw a wine glass at him and told him she was out of his league. Tyler was out there with the rest of the cast, and he said he heard from a reporter that Victoria cheated at a party in L.A., and she was telling everyone she was very much single. Victoria went off and started yelling at Tyler, telling him to be quiet and that this didn't involve him. 
Victoria and Greg were talking pre-paradise, but nothing serious. He had a he had his ex, Clemens, and didn't go. And she went, but she told Johnny about it. Then he'd seen Greg texting her, but she assured him she and Greg were just friends. Johnny found out through social media about the trip to Italy. Victoria and Greg got matching arm tattoos in Italy. It says hot in Italian. And then it says that's the gist of the Johnny Victoria Greg stuff from yesterday. We'll have more later. Right. So reality Steve kind of addresses the question that I had before paradise, Greg and Victoria clearly knew each other. Um, but he had his ex. Does that mean that he was getting over his ex and he didn't want to go on paradise or was it that they were still dating? That's what I'm unclear about. Um, if they were still dating, why would he be texting Victoria Fuller? That's a thought for you. Um, so yeah, this is very interesting. Immediately my mind goes to who is uh, contractually obligated to be there and who is not. Johnny and Victoria definitely are. Greg Grippo is not. So the fact that he showed up and eventually got you know some major screen time says to me that they are together, that they are a couple. If they weren't, why would Greg bother going and potentially putting himself through more public scrutiny, um, especially after the dumpster fire that was Katie Thurston's season. So then Nick Vile enters the chat of this soft launch over the weekend, whatever he posted on his TikTok. And then I was listening to the Vile Files uh, against my will, where Allison, who is my friend, I listen to support Allison because she's the best, uh, tells Nick on their podcast that he was being messy on social media posting that video of them all at a dinner party. And then of course, at the very end, you see them like cuddling Greg and Victoria. Um, and then the pictures came out of them on a flight together. The question is why, you know, why spoil it? And Nick says on the podcast, um, anything that doesn't happen on a show can't be spoiled, which is not true. If you're on a reality dating show and spoiler has already been out that you leave the show engaged and then they're spotted with somebody else that essentially spoils the ending of the show. Right. Because you now know that they're not engaged anymore. He says the interaction that they're referring to has nothing to do with bachelor in paradise. I understand the implications, but it is under the understanding that it can't be spoiled. You can't play smart and stupid at the same time. Nicholas. Is that not the dumbest thing you've ever heard has nothing to do with bachelor in paradise. Other than the fact that this girl currently is on bachelor in paradise and allegedly leaves the season engaged to somebody, but now is with somebody else. So stupid. And then he said, I didn't do it without anyone's permission. So here's my thought about this. I, I don't know. It's so hard. It's so hard. I have a lot of, I don't want to go full conspiracy, but you know what? I will. Nick Vile is, you know, as they call on Game of Roses, maybe a protected player where it's like, Normal people like me who aren't buddy buddy with ABC cannot get a member of Bachelor Nation on the podcast until their year long contract is up. Obviously, these Bachelor uh, podcasts, Bachelor Happy Hour, Clickbait, Nick Vile, Caitlin Bristow's, they're allowed because, you know, they've done their due diligence. They've served their time, you know, whatever. I almost want to say that Nick or Nick Fleiss, Mike Fleiss was gave this the green light, you know, where it's like, yeah, go ahead and post this because everybody already knows that it's already out there anyways. 
you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. This will get people invested in the Bachelor in Paradise union. Because you know, Tori is not allowed to post this kind of stuff. I'm sure that that's written in their contract. I'm positive about it. But now you're getting this third party involved. And he's like, oh, it's innocent. Like, like I'm not under contract. Yeah, but you're buddy-buddy with these people. So let's not pretend that there wouldn't be any ramifications for it. You know what I'm saying? Like Nick had to feel very comfortable in his position with the franchise to share a season ending spoiler. So I don't know. Then he starts to say, you know, he kind of goes on the Victoria Fuller defense mode and is like, you know, pay attention to the conversations that Johnny and Victoria have already had the conversations that they will continue to have on the show. He also brings up the fact that Johnny didn't get there with Gabby and in the same way, Johnny might not get there with Victoria in, in respects to being ready for an engagement. I think essentially it all boils down to the fact, the fact, my opinion, my prediction, I guess. I think that Victoria left Johnny for Greg. I think that maybe they were flirting pre-paradise. Maybe there was a thought that Greg could potentially be coming to the beach, but it didn't end up working out. And then uh, Victoria fell in love with Johnny on the beach. I'm not saying that she didn't. Uh, but then when they got out into the real world, things probably weren't as smooth sailing as she expected them to be, especially if you're in an engaged relationship. And they broke up. Maybe there was there was some comfort texting, you know, with Greg. I don't know if if the timelines overlap at all, but you know, after you get out of a relationship, you're like, oh, I was talking to this guy before. Like we had a good vibe, a good connection. Like I just need somebody to talk to, maybe to distract myself from what's going on. And one thing led to another. Another prediction I have is that Greg and Victoria are going to do their first joint podcast interview on the Vile Files. If that turns out to be the case, I want every single one of y'all to be flooding my DM saying, you were right, Morgan. This whole thing was a setup. All right. To wrap up this week's episode, we got to talk about buying Beverly Hills. The Umansky's ripoff of Selling Sunset is here. That's exactly what it is, you guys. It's a ripoff of Selling Sunset. It has a 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb, which is not great. It follows the agents and clients within Mauricio Umansky's billion-dollar brokerage. The agency, with a talented group of realtors, comes high stakes in L.A.'s luxury real estate market. Um, so far, I'm only two episodes in. It's mainly about the 25-year-old daughter, Alexia, and if she's ready or not to sell a $6 million mansion. Episode one was slow. Going into it, it's because episode one was all about uh, the family. I think actually the episode title was called The Family Dynasty. And it's like the whole thing was about how the family built this up and yada, yada, yada. And people were mad because they're like, yo, Mauricio, Rick Hilton actually got you where you needed to be in life and you didn't mention him at all. And you turned his back on him, whatever. Uh, if you're a Real Housewives Beverly Hills fan, you already know this. Um, going into it, you know, being a Beverly Hills fan, I thought... I'm going to be invested in this family. I'm invested in Mauricio, Farah, Alexia. Turns out I'm not. Turns out I'm not at all invested in this family. I actually could care less based on the first episode, which was shocking to me because I thought that I really would care. Um, in episode two, we get some more secondary characters who I think start to bring the show to life. Um, 
off the top of my head, those being Sonica and Brandon, we'll get into it, but the full cast, Melissa is Farah's best friend. And she starts off as the villain by giving Alexia a C behind her back on an impromptu showing. This causes Alexia to like spiral saying she's not good enough to be in the family dynasty. It's like, whole thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again is, is Alexia ready to be the Yubansky prodigy when it comes to selling real estate in Beverly Hills. Um, we also have a guy named Joey Benzvi. He's supposed to be, I guess, the love interest of Alexia. He's also a realtor. I find him very full of himself. And then there's this guy, Ben Balak, who's the older version of Joey. They're both very cringy to me. Um, Sonica and Brandon are introduced together and I like them best because they're, they seem like the most normal people, you know, they don't have any family ties. They haven't had the silver spoon in their mouth, which has been kind of the backlash a lot online. And even like Brandon in the show says there's a lot of nepotism going on here. Whereas Alexia is, you know, Mauricio's daughter and she gets a $6 million listing. I've had to work hard for everything in my life. Um, and people are saying that a lot on social media as well. Mauricio's like, yeah, she's a daughter. I'm going to try my best to make her succeed. So I don't know. It's just like, if you've seen one real estate show in California, you've seen them all. You know, the only difference that this show has from Selling Sunset is that it's a family dynamic and I don't find the family dynamic that interesting. Kyle, Hil Kyle Hilton, Kyle Richards isn't on the season at all so far. I heard that she is for like a 30 second phone call. Um, although, and I will say we were very critical of the first episode. And like I said, I'm only two episodes in the second episode was better. Um, even after that one, David was like, are we into it now? Like, are we hooked? Are we? And I was like, probably, probably. But like I said, if you've seen one real estate and show one real estate show in California, you have seen them all. But that's my official review. Check it out if you want. Maybe if it gets better, we'll talk more about it. Hey, I want to remind you on the Patreon this week. I said I was going to do it last week. I have the Olu and Brandon tea. I have it. I thought I was going to have it. Last week, my source was supposed to call me. They called me, of course, Friday after the Bachelor Brain Dump had already been released. Um, so if you're not on Patreon yet and you want the Bachelor Nation tea, it's only $3 a month, uh, four episodes a month. So it's like less than a dollar per month. And let me tell you, the Olu Brandon tea is, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's piping hot. There are many layers to it. And we will discuss comes out Friday at uh, patreon.com slash Morgan's pop talks. The link is also in the show notes below. Hey, will you leave me a review? Actually, you know what? Leave me a review. I'm telling the people right now. I have this goal by the end of the year and I have to search the Apple podcast because I have to know exactly how many I how many reviews I have at all times. So this is me stalling while I pull it up. My internet's being slow. Oh, 471. I want to get to 500 by the end of the year. I think it's doable. Two months to get 30 more reviews. It takes you five seconds. Boop. That's all you got to do is tap the little stars. That's on Apple Pause. I'm not going to even look at Spotify right now, but let's just say I want 30 more Spotify reviews as well. So do it. If you love the pod, if you love the show, if you love me like a sis, Leave me a review. We'll see you back here next week. Love you like a sis. Bye. Oh.
Media Production.